Real Estate Coaching Radio, America's number one trusted resource for realtors who demand authentic, real-time coaching. Starring award-winning real estate coaches Tim and Julie Harris. Get ready for unfiltered, full-strength honesty about what is truly working to get you into action and make you money in this new real estate boom. Now to our hosts, Tim and Julie Harris. Welcome back to Real Estate Coaching Radio. We are your hosts, Tim and Julie Harris. Julie, welcome to today's radio show. Yes, thank you. I think it's going to be an interesting topic, and this is by special request of both our podcast listeners as well as our premier coaching members. So we know a lot of you guys are experiencing, you know, most markets are experiencing a pretty obvious lack of inventory. And if you are new to the podcast and you have not yet sort of swallowed the whole pill of being a listing agent, you're probably out there struggling right now trying to find houses for your buyers, trying to find, you know, the whole thing is just a never-ending ball of frustration for you. So what we're going to do on the radio show today is we're going to walk you through some ideas, some specific tactics so that you can actually get not only the buyers, the best buyers to work with you, but how you can get your offers accepted. So that's what we're going to be focusing on. I want all of you guys to take really great notes, office managers, brokers, everyone else uses our uh, podcast for training, uh, critically important. Now, just a couple announcements before we get uh, to point number one. We have a very special guest that's coming up on June 6th, and this is somebody who, frankly, I'm very honored to have on our radio show Chris Kyle, American sniper, um, as you guys know, or many of you know, he passed away in 2013. His wife is going to be on the podcast, and that's going to be on, um, like I said, I think it's June 7th or June 6th, something like that. June 8th, Gina just told me. So June 8th, that's going to be a huge honor. And we're also working on uh, a lot of other uh, really, I think, probably very notable folks to be on the podcast. We're trying to reach outside of the normal real estate people. I don't know about you all, but I'm kind of bored of listening to more top producers with big teams telling the same, saying the same thing over and over again. So what we're going to do, be doing is bringing to all of you guys some, I think, I, I don't know even how, how honored, honored guests, people that, frankly, I'm a little bit um, – Nervous about interviewing, <laughs> you know. So we're gonna we're gonna focus on some seals. We're gonna focus on some business leaders. We're gonna focus on other authors. Um, so all that is coming to you over this uh, late spring and early summer. So make sure you guys are tuning in every single day. That's what happens when you guys do what I ask, and you guys are actually giving us some great reviews on iTunes. They start paying attention, and now that we have a really, frankly, huge audience on this podcast, we're going to start attracting a lot more really um, high-end folks. If anyone has a connection with Seth Godin, hey, I'm going to throw it out there as possible. I'd love to have Seth on the podcast and, and obviously a lot of other folks as well. So, Julie, I believe you have an email you'd like to share with our listeners. Actually, it's a Facebook post, and it's from Marta Juarez. She says, the program has been such a great help, making me realize the job of a realtor to work long hours to get great service to each one of my clients. Most of them right now are buyers. It is time-consuming physical work. Yes, it is, but it satisfies me when I have the offer accepted and through all the process of the purchase. That means I will soon have my first check this year. Yay, I've been planning to go door-to-door knocking expireds, but have to take care of the few buyers I have even though my goal is to get those listings and sell them to my buyers. How cool would that be? Thanks, Tim and Julie, for making me go out and work. And thank you to this group that encourages me when I see your posts of the great work and results that you're achieving. So thank you for posting that, Marta, and for being, um, you know, really transparent about your work and your aha moments that 
yeah, I mean, we we kind of joke in coaching, that's why it's called work and not vacation. Yeah, I mean, especially in today's market, there's going to be some work involved, and we like to keep it real. So thank you for getting that and doing something about it. Back to you, Tim. So, Julie, you wrote the show today, as you do most shows, and you were inspired to write this one again from a lot of folks asking us uh, to present this information. So set it up. Give them some real-time information as far as, like, what types of scenarios, situations, questions, agents asking. What inspired sure. you to write this show? Very good. Okay, so I've had a lot of feedback and a lot of, again, show requests based on the fact that you guys are running into several challenges with your buyers, the most obvious one being finding them inventory, then assuming that you do so, things like coaching them, advising them, that they're probably going to have to overbid over the list price, assuming the list price is reasonable, because they're going to be competing. We're also hearing stories from out in the field from everyone from new agents on up to the most grizzled, most experienced agents. You're all reporting this interesting little phenomenon known as interviewing for the buyer's business. Now, you're used to interviewing for a listing. You're used to competing for a listing, having to have your pre-listing package, do a real presentation, et cetera. But many of you are reporting back, and it's almost always a surprise report. Guess what? I thought I was working with this buyer. As it turns out, I was actually competing for their business. I didn't know that until they told me. And then there's other forms of this. I've had several of our listeners and our uh, premier members report that they're actually interviewing over Skype with relocating executives who they're going to use. Uh, a lot of first-time buyers and millennials are coming to the uh, interview process with a specific list. Maybe they got that off the Internet. Maybe their parents told them these questions. We don't know, but what you guys are uh, coming across is having to actually interview for buyer business as if it wasn't a challenge enough in the first place. So making sure everyone's aware of this, don't assume that that buyer is yours unless they're in buyer agency and you've had those discussions. So that's one side of it. The other side of it is once they are working with you, there's this comment out there that a lot of these buyers are saying, well, if I have to do all of these things in order to actually buy a house and you're counseling me that, sometimes it sounds an awful lot like you're on the seller's side. Things like, causing them to, uh, you know, in order to get a house, overbid, guaranteeing the difference in the appraisal, having escalation clauses, things like non-refundable earnest money. So this should be resonating with those of you who are out there working with buyers. Not contingent on much of anything if you don't want to be outbid, like contingent on home sale, contingent on financing, contingent on inspections. Not allowed to have a lot of that in some of your markets. I've heard in parts of uh, San Jose, San Francisco, that it's not unusual that not only are you buying it as is, but you also won't be allowed to do an inspection. I mean, a lot of places you can still do the inspection. You're just not going to ask for anything. Now they're saying you don't even get that. So some of this craziness, uh, not to mention strict lender requirements to achieve the pre-approval letter. Here's one thing that I've heard, Tim. I don't know if you've got this on some of your calls or talking to the coaches that some of these buyers actually don't believe that the list the lender gives them to get pre-approved, they, they think that that's like optional <laughs> or that they're being asked to go well, above and beyond with these crazy, crazy requirements, right? Go ahead. So what we're wanting you guys to do is we're going to give you information on how you should be sifting and sorting your buyers, and we're also going to be giving you information on how you can get your offers accepted. But what really matters that you pay very close attention to is you guys need to have higher than normal standards on the buyers that you're going to work with. A lot of you guys have fallen into this bad behavior pattern of just being thrilled to have someone you can throw in the back of your car to show houses to, and then six months later you're wondering why you didn't make any money. So what we want you to be very clear about is you need to have at least four minimum 
minimum standards, four rules before you choose to work with any buyer. I'm going to give you those points now, so write these down. Rule number one is if they have a house to sell, the house is listed with you, um, or if it's an out-of-state listing and they're relocating, it's obviously listed with another agent. Ideally, try to get the referral fee on that. But if it's a local buyer and they have their house listed with another agent, do not work with that buyer. They're just wasting your time, I promise you. A lot of you guys, you'll get a call, and you'll be what Howard Britton used to refer to as a Pop-Tart agent. And you'll just run out there and show the house, and then you'll waste your time. You'll miss your daughter's football practice or whatever. You know, I guess daughters don't play football. Oh, it's, it's England, so I meant soccer, right? So you'll, yeah. you know, you're basically going to screw up your entire day because you didn't actually ask tough questions. So here's the first question. If, the house, if they have a house to sell and it's local, it's listed with you. If it is out of state, it is listed. You're not going to be working with any buyers that have properties to sell unless, and we're going to get to the unless in point number three. Point number two is that they have to actually have reasonable expectations. By reasonable expectations, the easiest way to find out what, if they have reasonable expectations is to use our pre-qualification questionnaire that we have for the buyers, the buyer pre-qualification questionnaire, the whole buyer script. It takes you through the entire process of actually determining their motivation. Um, I'm not going to get into that, but listen, uh, Premier Coaching members, make sure you're using the entire script. And Julie, where can that be found on the site so they don't flood customer service looking for it? Working with buyers. We try to keep there you go, it. easy enough. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Point number three, thing num- rule number three, and this one's tricky, and I want you guys to write this down so you get this right the first time. Now be very, very attentive to what I'm about to say. Lender letters are garbage. 99% of the time they're absolutely worthless pieces of garbage that you shouldn't even be taking seriously unless it's actually a pre-approval. And by pre-approval, here's what actually has to happen, and I want you to call your lender, and I want you to say, lender, next buyer I send you. You have to have done all of these things or do not send me a lender's letter. I will not consider that you I will not consider it a job done unless you have done all these things. Number one, they have to have done a three merge credit report. Number or rather they have to have checked the credit on all three credit reporting agencies. We're not going to get into the why, but what lenders typically will do for these fast and you know furious lenders letters is they'll just check with TransUnion. You need to have them check with all three. Point number two, the lender has to have confirmed they have the assets to close. How often have you guys gotten into cars with buyers, showed them countless houses, and then found out that they have a, that they don't have the money or they're waiting on the money? Or, you know, when pigs fly, they'll have the money. A lot of you guys make that mistake. I'm really focusing on, on the new agents. Do not make mistakes. Be rigid with how you use your time. Number uh, Point number uh, – see, this would be point number three – Make sure – now, this is one's weird, so pay attention. Make sure their employment is – employment verification is not good enough. Nowadays, it has to be – they have to be employed in the same field. So if someone, for example, was a candlestick maker and they just quit and became a cobbler or whatever, you know, a roofer, they might be making the same amount of money, but because it wasn't the same industry, oftentimes that can be the very thing that makes it so that they won't get the loan. Uh, and again, these are all very, very important points. So we talked about basically they have to be working with – if the house is listed, it has to be, list, it has to be uh, listed with you. If it's out of state, it has to be actively for sale, verification of that they have credit sufficient to purchase the house, credit, uh, verification that they have the actual down payment, verification that they have actual employment. And the last one is I want you guys to have a written commitment that they're going to work exclusively with you. Oh, Tim, we don't use buyer agency contracts in our marketplace. Yeah, a lot of agents do. They're just not telling you about it. Now, if you guys are in an area where buyer agency contracts or buyers are going to run off if you try to make them sign an exclusive, 
uh, again, use our buyer presentation, use our buyer script. You guys should start thinking about buyers the same way you think of listings. In other words, you're not going to take a listing that's an absolute overpriced, unsellable thing that's on the other side of the country, are you? No, you're going to have some rules, some specifics set up. So think of buyers the exact same way. Um, and when you do this, guys, what's going to happen is you're going to have a lot fewer buyers to work with, which is good because the buyers that that will leave you with are the buyers that are actually serious about purchasing. You have to run folks through this professional process just like every other professional does. You cannot think of an example of anybody who's a true professional that does not have some sort of heightened level of prequalification before they'll even let you into their office, right? Everybody does it that way. Same thing. Now, you can't – do not – I'm even suggesting that you not – never meet them at the house for the first time. That's always a huge mistake. Always meet them at the office you know, and, and basically go through a buyer presentation. And then if they won't sign a buyer agency contract on your first meeting, which most of them won't, explain to them that after you take them out the first time and, – and again, Premier Coaching members, use our three-time-out buyer uh, process – and use the floor, uh, floor model buyer process. Find those on the website. Those will make it so that you only have to show buyers a maximum of two or three houses, and you only have to go out a maximum of two or three times, ideally only twice, showing them properties that are exactly a match for what they're looking for. It's all a process. It's a script. Download it and use it on the website. Okay, Okay. let me so jump in because they're going to flood customer service. Okay, Premier yes. Coaching Clients. There's a great series that Coach Rochelle put together. It's called Buyer Mastery, and it walks you through all of this, including the three times out script, the buyer presentation, and how we want you to be handling your buyers. Yes, we realize this is indeed above and beyond probably what your broker, office manager, or mentor has told you in the past, but we want you to actually close your buyers. We don't want you to have your time wasted. We don't want you to go through all of these frustrations where you find out they bought, you know, through an open house they wandered in and, you know, they went to new construction, bought through that model or they bought it for sale by owner. All these things you guys get mad about, it's all covered in the buyer presentation where you're training them what you expect. And if they're not going to be compliant, guess what? You don't have to work with them. When you generate lots of business, you don't have to tolerate flaky behavior. Back to you, Tim. The, prob the problem ultimately with buyers, and this is really critical, we, you know, we don't mention this enough on the podcast, the problem with any buyer, all, and it doesn't matter what market, doesn't matter what price range, is they are, they could always uh, rent, they could always change their minds, they could always just stay put, they could always just, you know, all those types of things. Whereas working with sellers, and this is the reason we want you guys to focus your best energies every day of going after sellers, the best thing about sellers is they're examples of sellers that absolutely positively have to sell. You know, there's all kinds of examples. It doesn't even take a, a brand new agent can think of a reason why a seller would have to sell. They can't afford it. They have to move. There's a divorce. There's a financial issue. There's a this. There's the other thing. There's lots and lots of real solid reasons why a seller would have to sell. But guys, there's not a single reason why a buyer would ever have to buy. Ever. There isn't. None of them. Doesn't exist. So you'll never have buyers that are as motivated as your sellers. Get it? So when you're with buyers, it, the least thing, you, the very minimal standard least thing you can do is make sure the buyers you've got are actually going to follow some simple, basic rules. And, you know, you need to work on how to sell to them that the fact that they do need to go through a lender pre-approval, whereas every other agent in town is not going to push, uh, press them to do that. And the way for you to do that is explain to them, listen, when you find a house that you're interested in and we're negotiating and you're pre-approved and every other offer basically is not, and you can actually prove that all of your everything is done and the only thing the lender's letter is contingent on is uh, the appraisal of the property. When you can show, Mr. Buyer, when you can show the potential, you know, the house you want to buy, the seller, that you've actually done your homework 
work ahead of time, they're probably going to accept your offer over every other offer. That's how you sell it to them. And look, if they push back, if they say they're not interested, if they say they don't want to do it, if they say you're the only agent that's asked, then you right there have got a huge red flag that you're not working with a real buyer. You're just looking with a looker, working with a looker. Don't, you know, get over the fact that you have some of you guys are going to say, well, why would a buyer actually want to go out and look at houses if they're not serious? Because they're bored, because they're curious, because they're nosy, because it's their hobby. People do it all the time. more fun than going to the lender. Yeah, It's exactly. the same reason that agents, uh, you know, take these same buyers out so they don't have to learn to be a listing agent because it looks like work and they, they're working on hopium yeah. that they're actually going to, you know, have a commission as a result. It's kind of the same thing, right? There are some buyers – I. What do we call them? Buyer tourists, right? They just like to go out and look at a lot of property because they're inspired by HGTV or Bravo or something like that. They're kind of playing realtor, some of them. So how do you know the difference? You've got to have your buyer presentation in alignment, use some scripts. And again, don't be afraid to refer them to somebody else or just say, you know what? It doesn't make sense for us to work together just now. Let us know when you get pre-approved. Just makes sense. And that's okay because guess what? No, I was going to say that at the end of the day, what's that going to mean? You're going to have a lot more time on your hands to do the things that you should have been doing in the first place, to Julie's point. You're not just using creative avoidance if you've got a bunch of buyer appointments. You know, you now basically weeded through your buyers, and you realize you don't have buyer leads. You just have a bunch of looker leads. And now you're going to decide, well, you know what? I guess I don't have any more excuses not to really buckle down and focus on becoming a listing agent. That's full circle for a lot of you guys. But, Julie, let's get to our points so that we can cover the ground that we uh, promised we would. Yes. You got it. Okay, so because of all of these things that we're now asking the buyers to go through, sometimes the buyers will say things like, well, whose side are you on or who are you protecting? They get confused about agency, things like that. So I put together a quick 10 points. We may not get through all of them today, but we'll try. What do you do about that? Because we are asking a lot of them. You have to. You're going to have a lot of work involved here. So point number one, educate them on why those things are required. Why is a pre-approval letter required? Why is earnest money required? Why is a buyer agency required if it's possible to get in your market? What is a seller's market? Some of you guys listening yourselves aren't quite clear on that. So you've got to educate them on why these things are required. It's not because you're trying to be some strict, crazy agent. It's because you're trying to actually get them a house. So that's the type of thing that happens in the buyer presentation. Point number two, be willing to counsel them to wait if they really can't compete. Some of you guys keep on writing offer after offer after offer, and they keep getting shot down because they're 3% FHA. If there's 10 other offers, I can guarantee you without looking at anything else about their contract, they're not going to be buying anything. Would you argue with that, Tim? Or I mean, they've got to be willing to say if they just can't swing it, maybe they should wait. Well, the simple I, I fact is a, a lot of the buyers. Yeah. A lot. Well, again, Julie, this goes back to scripting, right? And I'm thinking back to sure. our, our buyer script that we wrote all those years ago, and we've honed it and made it better over the years. And, and if they use the script, they're going to determine. They're going to ask all the right questions, and they're going to determine a lot of these buyers. Guess what? Have been in and out of the market for years, and they're just not serious, and they can't afford to purchase a house, or they're just not. Their their employment isn't a, that. You know, frankly, they're not. They don't have good jobs, or they don't have down payments, or they don't have good credit. But they'll come back in the market every spring, you know, breathing their hope. You've been hoping and praying something's going to be different, and maybe it is. It's your job to get them to a lender. So just to go back to the previous point about lenders' letters, the lenders are coached and trained to not actually go through the process of doing a complete pre-approval on a buyer until the buyer has found a house. 
Okay, be clear on that. So the buyers are the uh, the lender is not actually going to spend any time determining whether that buyer, even though you had that buyer talk with the lender, the lender says they're good to go. All the lender may have done is just done a one uh, a quick credit check. That's it. Maybe asked about you know do you have a job? Yes. What's your income? Yes. This is what you qualify for. Now go find a house and when you do, you know bring all your documents and whatnot in and we'll get you pre-approved. And then we'll finish That's the deal. Really what, that's how the process works. So the lenders don't spend time with your buyers until the buyers are actually in contract. In other words, the lenders won't actually determine whether the buyer can buy until you've wasted countless evenings and weekends showing houses to buyers. That's the reason it's really critical you drill down on your lenders. And you're going to find a lot of lenders won't want to do that amount of work you know, before they found a house. You're forcing them to do their job in a different way than they normally would want to do it. And if you don't, if you find a lender that won't abs- do all the things we just rattled off, then you find another lender. Maybe find two or three different lenders. That's the way to do it. You got to have higher standards so you don't, you know, lose the whole spring and summer season to, you know, unmotivated, unqualified buyers. Next point, Julie. All right. So we want to again be ready, be ready to counsel them if they just can't swing it instead of banging your head into the wall. Point number three: turn your VA and FHA buyers into five percent conventional buyers. Depending on your market, how competitive, all that kind of stuff, that may be the trick to getting it. You know, getting them actually accepted. Most VA and FHA buyers can convert to that. There's a lot of different special programs. There's gift money they can use. There's different things. Assuming they have decent credit and a good job history, you may be able to convert them to 5% conventional. If your existing lender says it's impossible, that may be because they personally specialize in VA and FHA. That's what they do. doesn't hurt to take them to a different lender and see if there are some other options for them. Point number four. Look off-market for old expireds for sale by owners, new construction, and Zillow make-me-move sellers so that your weaker buyers don't have to compete. Yes, you've got to think out of the box to get them something where they're not up against 5, 10, 15 other offers. So if you're going to find an older expired, for example, and by the way, there probably is going to be more commission in that for you since you're potentially doing both sides, you may be the only one talking to that homeowner. That's great for your buyers that are sick of competing. Great for them. But you've got to make the, the effort or decide that you're not going to make the effort and stop essentially lying to those buyers that you'll be able to accomplish the job they've hired you for. I mean, at some point, Tim, it starts to feel like malpractice that you're leave, letting those buyers believe that you're going to do this if they keep getting shot down. So either go off market and find them something they're not competing for or maybe refer them to somebody else. It just makes sense. Point, Point number, number five. five you, go ahead. Go ahead. Sorry. No, go ahead. You got it. Okay. So use scripts like, may I give you the same advice I would my own brother or sister? This is especially good when they're starting to suspect or kind of feel, you know how you get that vibe that because you're counseling them that they've got to do all of these things to go on above and beyond to actually get a property. You kind of get that feeling, well, whose side are you on anyway? That kind of thing comes up. May I give you the same advice I would my own brother or sister? And look them in the eye. That usually gets their attention. Again, we talk about a lot of this in the buyer mastery section of our website. Point number six, do use a buyer presentation so you have a better understanding and loyalty from your buyers. Now, here's a big point. The close, which means the buyer agency signed getting their loyalty, closing is the result of a great presentation. That's the definition of closing. It's the end of a great presentation. So have a great presentation. How many of you guys have tried getting a buyer agency signed two or three times just to be shot down? It's probably because you were trying to close without having presented anything. 
that's a big missing element. Anything you want to add to that, Tim? Well, again, we have a whole buyer presentation, and it uh, flips the uh, you know it's a, it's a flip chart presentation basically, and you know it takes the buyer through uh, what happens when they run across the for sale by owner, what you know how that process works, working with the uh, builder, all the different reasons why they want to work with you exclusively, all the different services that you offer, um, and uh, you know that's it. I mean, the whole thing is very professionally handled, just like we want you to do every aspect of real estate versus the way every other agent does it, where they just throw them in the back of the car and they basically hope and pray that maybe that buyer will actually turn into something. You guys are going to find yourselves working with far fewer buyers, and the buyers you're stuck working with are going to be the ones that are the most motivated. But don't be surprised if you go through all your buyers you have now and you take them through the you know process that we gave you, the four or five points. Don't be surprised if you have no buyers. And I would suggest that's the reason a lot of you guys don't actually um, you know, maybe someone else, maybe many other people have told you don't work with buyers unless they're pre-qualified maybe, or pre-approved, and maybe you haven't done it. Maybe you actually have avoided it because you're fearful that at the end of the day you're going to have no buyers. Well, good. I'd rather have you no, have no buyers and have absolutely no reasons not to do the real work in this business than have hundreds of buyers. Some of you guys are actually believing that having a drip campaign for buyers is going to result in transactions. It's not. There's you know, all kinds of evidence and proof out there that's shown that essentially the, the long-term drip campaigns, again, that so many of you guys are being coerced into purchasing, are absolutely positively a waste of money and a waste of time. Something like I think the statistic from NAR is what less than 1% of all buyers come from long-term drip campaigns. Look, guys, you know if you're regular listeners and if you're not, you should be to this podcast, go back and listen to uh, past shows. Go to timandjulieharris.com. You can, of course, listen to us on iTunes. It's really critical that you focus all your best energies every single day on the things that are going to put you in a position to help other folks and make money. And that's almost always focusing on the buyer's, I'm sorry, on the seller side of the transaction. Listen to me. <laughs> uh, so focus on listings, and you will find tons and tons of great motivated buyers, uh, the first of which will probably be the sellers that have to buy something. Does this make sense, guys? Are you starting to get it? Are you starting to realize what an incredible opportunity real estate is if you're focused on becoming a powerful listing agent? The frustration, the burnout, the tears, the, the loss, the everything comes on the buyer's side. Generally speaking, that's where you guys are wasting the most money too, buying buyer leads. Stop buying buyer leads from all the portals. Stop trying to long-term lead follow up with your buyer leads. Stop trying to send them clever emails to your buyer leads. Just let the buyer leads go. They will buy or they won't. You, they will follow your rules and be uh, absolutely A-quality buyers because they've been willing to go through the gauntlet, the lender, the dedication to you, no house to sell, proof that they can actually purchase. They'll either have done those things or they won't. And if they won't, good. You don't need to follow up with them long term. If they have houses to sell, obviously those are the perfect leads. Those are the best leads. But if they don't, then you guys should just shuffle through them. You should not be stockpiling leads. Uh, the idea of having a bunch of leads makes you weak. It doesn't make you strong. The best agents are the ones that are able to go through leads really, really quick, respectfully, caringly, but going through and determining where they're going to spend their energies, where they're going to spend their time. And if the folks aren't ready to actually purchase the house and if they aren't actually willing to you know, go through the process of uh, validating themselves as a real AAA buyer, then move on. Do not keep them in your mind, let alone some digital you know, tracking system. So listen, guys, if you've not required 
requested your free coaching call yet, do it. Freecoachingcallsforagents.com. If you're on our website, just fill out that simple form. And when you do, you're not only going to get those six free books, including that uh, tax planning book that we just added last week, but you're also going to get a – you're also entitled, rather, to a coaching call with one of our new member coaches. The feedback I get continuously about the calls that you guys are having with the new member coaches is fantastic because you guys are help, having someone for free help you get started on your real estate treasure map, which is one of the six free books we give you. And the real estate treasure map, of course, is our business plan. The the wheels, the spokes and the wheel analogy, which is about lead generation, that's the primary focus of your coaching call with your new member coach. So make sure you schedule that call ASAP. Make sure you grab your spot uh, in our schedule, our coaches' schedules. I know they're usually you're going to have to wait a few days because we're really busy right now uh, helping a lot of agents get their heads screwed on straight about, you know, focusing on, um, you know, where the biggest opportunities are to be of service and help people. So if there's ever anything we can do for you guys, I want you to feel free to reach out to me directly. It's Tim at TimAndJulieHarris.com or Julie at TimAndJulieHarris.com. You guys have a fantastic day. We'll talk with you on the radio tomorrow. This program has been a presentation by Tim and Julie Harris, Real Estate Coaching. For more information on our real estate coaching and training programs, visit our website at timandjulieharris.com. Remember to tune in weekdays at noon for upcoming shows. And until next time, thank you for listening to Real Estate Coaching Radio with Tim and Julie Harris. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.